We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Today we're going to get into God's Word. We're in Jonah chapter 2, which is called Jonah's Prayer. It's Jonah's Prayer. And my son, Zion, my oldest son, Zion, he always asks me this question from time to time. He'll say, how come when I'm all by myself and it's just God and I awake, when I talk to God, he doesn't talk back to me? Now, that's a very difficult question as as a father, as a pastor. I'm always like, oh, son, he talks to us through prayer. He talks to us through through the Bible and through nature and all these different ways that he talks to us. And he's like, yes, but I want to hear his voice talking to me. My, My daughter, on the other hand, my daughter, Zara, she's four years old. She'll always say, God, I, I, the, her prayers are, are very interesting. She's either going to be a dictator or she's going to change the world. Uh, she says this. She says, God, give me power in my hands. I want to be more powerful than Elsa. That's her prayer life. My, my son's jazz, my two-year-old, his prayers are more like, you know, he prays for Spider-Man. He prays for the Avengers. He prays for Iron Man. He prays for Peter Parker. And he prays for firecrackers since it was just 4th of July. That's what he prays for. Uh, my youngest, well, uh, we're still praying for him. <laughs> Amen. So anyways, for most of us, when it comes to prayer, prayer is where we give God his instructions. We give God his job description. That's where we treat God as a concierge. That's where we treat God like a waiter or a server, and he takes our orders. Some some of us, we really, really wish that God would operate like Amazon Prime. Like, you know, you pray today, and by tomorrow, it arrives. That's how we treat God. We want God to operate like Amazon Prime. But here's the thing about it. I've, I've come to discover that prayer, prayer doesn't change God. It's very religious of us to, to think that if we pray certain words, if we use certain tones in prayer, if you, if you uh, have certain people praying for us, that's when God will hear us. But prayer is not meant to change God. If you're taking notes, take, write that down. Point number one, prayer is not meant to change God. Prayer is meant to change me. Prayer is meant to change me. Prayer doesn't pull God down to me. Prayer pulls me closer to God. So here's the thing about it. Answered prayers are often understood in hindsight. We understand our prayer life in hindsight. So, so Jonah, in the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter one, the last verse, verse 17 says this, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's a summary. That's a summary of an answered prayer after the fact, but it's giving to you, it's, it's, not, it's not written in sequential order. That's, that's the hindsight of what had happened to Jonah after what happens in, in chapter 2, okay? So here's what happens. God, God appoints the, this, um, uh, this fish, and that word God appoints is going to show up over and over again in the book of Jonah. It shows up over and over, over again because in each case, in each case of our life, God is constantly orchestrating things and appointing things to happen to us that are in his plan in order to pull us closer to him. Never think that things just happen. Things aren't happening to you. They're happening for you. They're happening for you because God is appointing certain things. It's not that he's authoring bad things to happen to you. Sometimes he'll allow certain things that may seem 
Like you, you can't understand why this is taking place in your life, but God's or the steps of a of a righteous man are ordered by God. He's appointing things in your life so that in hindsight, like in Jonah chapter two verse nine, you will find that 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 you'll see that you'll see a summary of how God has orchestrated and appointed things and worked things out for your good. Our hindsight gives us clarity as to how God works in the meantime of life, right? So Jonah chapter one, let's, let's, in Jonah chapter one, let's kind of recap a little bit. Jonah chapter one, Jonah rebels against God. God comes to Jonah and says, the, it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, go down to Nineveh and cry out against her. But Jonah decides to rebel against God, but God rebels against Jonah. Amen. Aren't you glad that God rebelled against your plans of sin, your plans of destruction? God decided to do something else that would counteract your bad decisions. So Jonah's running from God, but God's pursuing Jonah. God's Jonah's running from God. God's pursuing Jonah. In my life, I've been running from God. I've been running from God, going completely diametrically opposed to his will, opposed to his way, completely opposite of what he wants me to do. But God's grace overtook my life. And he captures me and he puts me on the right track. And that's what happens in Jonah chapter one. He's running from God, but God outruns him. And so here's what happens. In Jonah chapter one, we have a prophet who spoke about God, who prophesied about God, who preached about God, who who could talk about God, but he never prayed to God. He never prayed to God. Sometimes when you stop praying, you forget how to start again. And God has to appoint certain things in your life to get you back to prayer again, to get you back to pacing at midnight again, to to really pleading and, and going after God again. It's funny to me because sometimes it's not until you hit rock bottom. It's not until you, you're facing impending doom that you pray again. I remember not too long ago, I was, I was flying. I was, uh, probably was flying from Miami back to California. And uh, we hit some really bad turbulence. Now, I've been on planes hundreds and hundreds of times. And so a little turbulence doesn't mess me up. But this was like a major drop. Like everybody was freaked out. The, 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 the stewardesses were, were freaking out. Everyone, and everyone started to cry out to their God. The, the, the Catholics started doing their Hail Marys. They, the, um, uh, the, the, the atheists just started saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Isn't it funny that atheists will still call out to God when they need God? <laughs> That's how God put kind of like, you know, ordained that, I guess. But the, the um, uh, the, the Pentecostals are, were praying in tongues. They're like, you know, Akon, P. Didi, Ashante, Shadabada, Honda, Mesterabada, Lambo. I mean, everybody was like, was freaking out. And sometimes it's not until you're facing impending doom that you start praying again. And here's Jonah, Jonah chapter two, verse one. Jonah is facing his death. He's about to die. Read with me. And, and, and when I was a kid, I used to think that the, that, that the fish just immediately came in and swallowed up Jonah. But that's not what happened. Jonah struggled. He went, he, he was drowning. He was dying. Look at this. It says, I called out to the Lord. Verse one. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord and his God from the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. He answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and, and you heard my voice for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. He's describing someone who's like literally like just like getting crashed and beaten by the waves and he's he's 
fighting for his life is, is sort of what's what he's describing there. And, 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 and in his prayer, he's telling God, this is what I felt like. You can tell God exactly what it feels like, how how hard it's how hard it feels, how painful it is. He's fighting for his life. God allowed Jonah to get to the bottom of that of, of that of that water or close to it before he sent that fish. God will allow you to get so low that you know that you need saving. Because when you're above water, you're in control. When you're above water, you don't need saving. Above water, you don't need grace. God allowed him to hit rock bottom where he had no strength and he was completely helpless. Then God sent the fish. Then God appointed the fish. See, here's the thing. If you're taking notes, point number two, religion is your efforts to save yourself. Whereas relationship with God is when you've reached the end of yourself so he can save you because he loves you so much. God will allow you to bring you to a place where you have to cry out to him so he can overtake you and use his vehicles of grace to save your life. Why? Because he has a purpose for you, because he has a future for you. So he'll send a storm. He'll, he'll, have, a, he'll have you overthrown. He'll have everything taken away from you. He'll pound you with your wave, with waves, the waves and the crashing of life in order to get to your heart. And here is how God is getting to Jonah's heart. Are you with me this morning? Man, God is good. Jonah was, in Jonah chapter one, we see that Jonah was dealing with resentment. He was dealing with anger. And we see, we see that all throughout the book of Jonah. Resentment, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness. And, and here's the thing about it. I want you to, to, to really take this to heart. If you're taking notes, write this down as point number three. Sometimes life's events can either be a life lesson or a life sentence. Okay? Because here's the thing about it. When you're going through it, you can be asking yourself, why is this happening to me? Why is it that nothing works for me? Why, why is it I'm going through, through so much pain? And so in, in verse two and three, you, you, you see Jonah saying, he's saying, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows, they passed over me. Then I said, why is it happening? To get you to verse number four. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet shall I look upon your holy temple. At that point, when you feel as if life is like crashing, you need to get to your place where you're like, then I said, I am away from God's presence. I am nowhere close to his temple. I must call to God again. I must cry out again. Was it a human event that caused Jonah to have that pain? Or was it the hand of God? Religion will teach you that it was random chance and luck or other people controlling you so that you're a victim. Other people are in control of your life and so you're a victim or you're in control of your own life so you're a hero. What Jonah saw was the hand of God. What could have been a life sentence became a life lesson for Jonah, a life-giving lesson. Behind the crew 
in the boat that was with him in Jonah, in Jonah chapter one, behind the storm, behind him being overthrown, behind the waves, behind all the circumstances that he had to deal with, behind all the mess you're going through right now, I wanna let you know that God is intervening on your behalf so that you can come to a point where you say, then I realize that I was away from God and I look to God once again. Because religion will try to get you to justify your actions. Oh, I was just doing Tarshish. I was just doing these things. I was just going my way, etc., etc. Religion will make you feel as if God owes you something. No, no, no. Jonah had made the decisions. It was Jonah who went down to Joppa. It was Jonah who got on the wrong ship. It was Jonah who went to the bottom of the ship and fell asleep. It was Jonah who, who, who made all these decisions and he hit rock bottom. When he hit rock bottom, that's when God intervened. And I want you to tell you this. Here's point number four. The journey to rock bottom begins with you in control. Then God gets a hold of you. Then God gets a hold of you. When you are at the end of yourself, God steps in and says, now I can work with you. Now that you're ready to depend on me. Now that you're ready to pray again. Now that you're ready to, to, to worship again. And you have to lose your life in order to find your life in God. At rock bottom is where you learn to fully depend on God. So point number five, grace finds you at your bottom. Are you with me? See, the thing is, is that Jonah doesn't rise and ascend until he can't, he can't go down anymore. He's brought to the end of himself. And the way up to God for us is down. It's down. Prayer at the bottom is what changes things. Many people talk about God's grace and say it's it's just a it's just a theory. It's uh, they think of that it has no life changing power. And our culture itself can't even handle grace. It can't really define grace. Uh, the, the religions of of, of that's the most popular religions of the world are, are moralistic, therapeutic um, uh, deism, where where your problem isn't sin, your problem isn't is, is self esteem. Self esteem is what's getting you down. No, the Bible teaches us very clearly: it's our sin that gets us down. Don't and they'll tell you don't live in in self incrimination and 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 in shame and and all this relativism, and no one has the right to make you feel guilty. Listen. It's at this point where Jonah is at the bottom that he realizes, I am a sinful man that rebelled against God, and now I need God. Grace is necessary for us to be saved. Jonah recognizes that divine justice, in divine justice, he deserved to die. He deserved to die. He deserved to drown because of what he had done in rebelling against God. He says, you cast me into the deep. He deserved it. And we want to believe whenever we're in that position that we can fix it. But let me tell you something. And here's, here's something that, that, that's not in the Bible, but, but I think it should be in the Bible. There's no app to fix your sin. You just need Jesus. You need to call out to Jesus again. You need to cry out to the Lord again. There's no app that, that Apple will put together or the Android uh, uh, store will put together that will fix your sin. You need God to come in and intervene. So let's, let's read the passage anymore. Um, uh, it says this, I was, I was driven away from your sight. Yet shall I look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. 
The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land where the bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away. I was dying. My life was fainting away. I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those that pay regard to feign idols. You know what our problem is in this world? We pay attention to vain idols. We pay attention to the news. We pay attention to celebrities. We pay attention to whatever's trending. We, we worship all these things. We worship our greed, our material wealth, all these things. And we give so much attention to these things. And Jonah says that those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Or as the King James says, forsake their own mercy. But I... With the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Man, there's no app for your sin. All you need is Jesus. All you need is to recognize that you've been paying attention to vain idols, that you've been paying attention to the wrong thing and to turn again to his holy temple and to, to, to release a prayer to him. That says, God, I need you. I want you. Save me, O oh Lord. And in that right there in verses 7 through 9, we discover freedom. We discover the hesed, the steadfast mercy. And let me tell you, my friends, there is not an English word. There is not a Spanish word. There is not a Greek word. There is not a Portuguese word. There is not a, a Creole word that can ever describe what God does for us in his steadfast mercy. I don't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. I can't, I can't get it on my own. But for some reason, he gives me his love abundantly beyond, above what I can think or imagine. And he saves me from the mess that I created. He hears my prayer. In his temple, since my prayer came to your holy temple, what is in his holy temple? The mercy seat is in the holy temple. That's where God is. That is where the law says I can't get close to it. But grace says, come on in. That's where he gives me a spirit that says I can cry out to him and say, Abba, Father, the prayer came into the into his holy temple. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I was on a very important Zoom call recently and and my 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 two-year-old barged into the door, barged into the office and jumped on my lap. And I was in the middle of, of, of working out a very important deal. And he grabbed my face and he said, daddy, I need your help. Do you know what happened in that moment? I said, I'm sorry, my friends. I'm sorry, gentlemen. I have to pause this call because my son has called out to me. That's the relationship that we get to have with our God. That's, that's what happens when your prayer goes to his holy temple. He may be so busy making sure that, that, that the rings on, on Saturn are staying in, in, in place and that the eye on Jupiter is still spinning around, that the sun is, 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 is not overheating and that everything is in orbit, but he stops in his holy temple to hear your prayer and he sends down his salvation and he saves you. My friends, let's lay down the vain idols. The idolatry of our religion, 
the idolatry of our selfishness, the idolatry of our, our superiority complex, the idolatry of our greed, our drugs, our sex, our job, our alcohol, money, even our kids and family. Let's lay those things down. And once again, seek God by looking towards him. As everything else is crashing down on us, as there's so much uncertainty in this world, know that God has appointed his vehicle of grace. You will not be swallowed up by whatever's crashing around you. You will not, be, you will not drown. He will send his fish to swallow you, preserve you, and take you to dry land. Watch how the verse ends. It says, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. You will be preserved. Pray with me. God, I thank you so much for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your never ending love. That no matter what's happening around me, no matter how badly I've messed up, no matter how badly I've made decisions that are against you, and I feel as if my life is overboard, that I'm drowning in debt, drowning in sin, drowning, grace will find me at the bottom. My friend, if that's you, all you have to do is turn to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus and just say, Lord, save me. Salvation is his. He'll extend it to you, my friend. I love you guys. God bless you. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.